0: merry christmas everybody merry christmas merry christmas happy christmas joyful christmas let us pray heavenly father we thank you lord that we can come here this morning we thank you for the birth of your son jesus christ Uh, We thank you, Lord, for the past 2,000 years that we've been able to celebrate this wonderful, marvelous event of the Son of God, who was there in eternity past with you, Father, came to be born into this world, grew to be a man, crucified, resurrected, so that we can have salvation in him. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This, uh, this week is the, the, the Advent or the Advent of love. And, uh, and I think one of the most amazing things about God is his love. Um, the, um, the Apostle John says that God is love. And so we come here today to remember and to think of and to celebrate the love of God in the birth of Jesus Christ into this world. A wonderful passage which... Um, Which exemplifies this love is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Another way to say this is that God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, his one and only son, so that whosoever believes, trusts, relies upon him shall not perish, shall not be disconnected from God, uh, but shall have everlasting life. And there's a couple of things from this passage which, which I think stand out to me. The first one is love, and the second one is giving. God loved, and therefore he gave. He loved, and therefore he gave. And it reminds me of Christmas in the way that many of us actually give to one another. Uh, so often at Christmas, as we all know, it's a time of presents, and it's always a time for me to receive and not give. Um, but it's a time often to give and not receive in one sense or to feel the joy of giving but when I think about presents people respond in different ways Uh, some people uh, get enthralled in the giving experience they love presents they love to buy presents for people and they just have so much fun with it and then on the other side on the other side of the pendulum swing you get people who kind of despise presents and and they get a bit cynical because you know we live in a society that kind of the materialist society, consumerist society, and some people get really fed up about presents. And then you get people in the middle who have this kind of oughtness, this is me. So it's almost like you have to buy presents. If you don't buy presents, then you call the Grinch, you get critiqued, especially by your spouse and your partner. So we kind of, we just jump in and we just do what we need to do. However, so you have these kind of different perspectives on giving. And when I think about this passage, the idea of love and the idea of giving. The connection of love and giving. The connection that the Father gave the Son and the Son came willingly. He loved the world and he gave his Son. And I think the truest heart of giving a present is this. Is that the, the, the way to find out what people want for Christmas or want for any time, any kind of event, especially Christmas, is to listen to them hear them so throughout the year or throughout the months coming up to Christmas you start listening closely to what this person wants right so it's like you know you might be walking through the shopping center and this and then you know somebody's say if it's your wife or your husband or or your brother or your sister and they see something in the store and they're like man I would really like that and it's almost like they're kind of dropping hints you know dropping hints of what they might like for Christmas and this happened to me the other day I was at home, and then um, I've got a little boy. My, my wife's not here today, she's sick, so she, she doesn't get to appreciate my stories. But um, so, <laughs> so we've got a little boy, and um, as, as you all know, like three-year-olds, young children, they potty training, learning how, learning how to um, go to the toilet on time, and sometimes they have accidents. And so what happened is, you know, we've got a few rugs at home. We've got a dog as well. And the rug starts to get dirty, right? So it's like the dog's rubbing himself on the rug. And then my little boy kind of, you know, he's kind of sometimes running around with no jocks on and decides it's a good idea to pee on the rug. And so you come into the house and there's this kind of waft of children. And... Um, <laughs> So sometimes what we've been doing is borrowing my in-laws' vax. So you know what a vax is? It's like a, a vacuum cleaner that's crossed between, it like washes the carpet as well. And my wife kept saying to me, she kept saying, you know, we, we, we have to clean these rugs, we have to clean these rugs, we need a vax, We can't just keep borrowing, we need a vac. And I'm like, she's dropping hints. This is, what, this is what she wants for Christmas. She wants this new vax. And, so, and so, <laughs> so I'm like, but you gotta, you know, so you're kind of attentive, you're listening to what she needs. And, uh, and she, because she keeps going on about it. It's like every time it's like, oh, this, this house stinks. It doesn't really stink. But, um, but she's like, and she goes, we need a fax, we need a fax. And I'm like, this is going to be amazing. So this morning, to her delight, she opens it up. And it's like, what better gift for a woman than a fax? And, the, and so I'm like, so we open it up. I'm saying, plug it in, give it a whirl, give the carpet a clean. You know, Christmas morning, what better thing for a woman to be doing is cleaning on Christmas Day? And she, she was delighted. She was like, yeah. <laughs> No, I didn't do that. I, I, did do, I played around with her. It's like, you keep telling me you want this. Surely you want this. No, I didn't get her that. I got her some wonderful presents because I'm a nice guy. But however, um, the thing about this though is that when we're giving gifts, it's important that we're thoughtful in the gifts that we give you know I might have thought I, I, I thought I was being thoughtful for the, with this but we have to be thoughtful and that means love if you truly love the person you will know what they need you will know what they appreciate and uh, and I see this in this passage of Scripture so God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life the thoughtfulness and the love of God can be seen in this passage of Scripture. You can see it going all the way throughout Scripture. So from Genesis three fifteen you get the promise of the offspring, the promise of the Son, the promise won't come in, and all the way throughout Scripture you have this promise of the Son of God coming into this world, to be born into this world, to go to the cross, to be crucified and resurrected. Um, There's so many predictions within scripture. There's over 300 predictions of Jesus Christ's first coming, of the birth and of the crucifixion and the resurrection. One person, took eight of these predictions. He calculated the mathematical odds. He was a mathematician. He calculated the odds of these being fulfilled in one person and it was 100 quadrillion to one. Eight of them. There's over 300 (laughs) predictions of the Son of God coming into this world and he took eight and there's 100 quadrillion to one. And I see that and I'm like, God planned this from the beginning. He had you, he had me in mind, he had our salvation in mind and he planned this. Another way of thinking about this to give a practical um, example is, um, is if you had 52 cards, 52 cards, and uh, has anybody ever played the game 52 Card Pickup? Does anybody know what it is? Yeah. Have you, it's, a, it's a great game. It's an amazing game to play around Christmas. Uh, so if you've got a little kid and you're like, do you want to play 52? Do you know what 52 Card Pickup is? No? Sort of? All right. So what it is, is um, pretty much, I'll do, it. I'll do it. Does anybody want me to do it? So this is what happens, 52-card pickup. It's a beautiful game, and you pick up 52 cards, and that's, and that's the game, that's it. The point being is with this, is that these are the odds. These are the odds. This is, this is God predicting, this is God organizing in his sovereignty. If those 52 cards landed perfectly in a row, hearts, diamonds, clubs, spades, um, ace, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, nine, ten, jack, queen if all of them landed precisely in a row, that, that, that's the odds of Christ fulfilling this, and yet he did. They're the odds. If you have those kinds, if they, it'd be amazing if they did just land like that, wouldn't it? They kind of put the demonstration to shame. But that's the odds. That's, that's God planning. He's planning in the past for our redemption and our salvation. When I keep looking at this verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. When I think about gift giving in my family, this is what we've done for the past, oh, past I don't know, decade. Is um, what we'll normally do: we'll buy each person a present, each person a present. So we go out, we go out, and we buy. Um, 20, we normally have a limit: twenty-five dollars, thirty dollars on each person. Right. So we go out and we buy each other a present, or at least I don't buy a present. My wife buys me a present. And I just critique her about just being careful with how much money she spends. So she, buys, so she buys a present for everyone in the family and then we come to the conclusion that this is a bit difficult. This is a bit hard, you know what I mean? It takes a lot of time and sometimes you get a $25 present and you're like, really do I want this present? Is this what I really wanted? And you could have always bought the present yourself. You know, this is the, the, this is the society which we live in. So what we've decided to do now, instead of buying everyone a present, we do Secret Santa. And so I think all of us are aware what Secret Santa is. You have a hat, you have all the names in a hat, and then you pick one out, and you buy that person a present. This saves a lot of time. And what it means as well is that in spe- instead of spending $250 on 10 people, we have a limit to 150 to $200. So instead of going out and buying a present for 10 people, now you only have to buy a present for one people, and you, sa- if you only spend $150, you're saving $100 every single year. This is great for me. So, so, you, so, you, buy, so you only buy one present, one present, and so you kind of, you know, then that, p- and it's uh, 150 to $200 is a sort of present that, you know, you might be like, you'd be um and about buying for yourself. So it makes it more worthwhile. You can see I have the spirit of receiving <laughs> and not the spirit of giving. Um, and it, so it works out quite well. However, what I thought was even better, because there's always a risk with that, that if you buy somebody a present for $150 or $200, and especially if you don't know who bought it, what about if they bought you the wrong present? right? So it's like, then you don't have the receipt. You don't know who bought it. What are you going to do? You just got this useless present at home that you're never going to use. And so maybe a better way is then to say, you know what? How about we don't buy each other presents? I save my 150. You have your 150. I can go out and buy my present. You can go out and buy yours. At least I'm going to get what I want then. I mean, that makes, that, that, that makes sense, right? It's like, it's logical. However, if we follow that train of logic, and that, but if we do that, We end up with love, and perhaps it's love, perhaps it's not, without giving. When we look at this passage of scripture, we see that God loved the world and he gave his son. Love is always combined with action. If you have love without giving, is it really love? Is love without action, is it love? Or is it just, if I sit with my wife and I tell my wife how much I love her, I love you, I love you so much, but it's not combined with action, then is it really love? I don't think so. But what we see here in this passage is that God loves and then God gave. God loves and then God gave. It requires generosity. But I think when I come to this, sometimes the gift that God is giving, we don't always see a need for the gift. We don't always understand the gift. Why did God give his son in the first place? And um, imagine this. So you go to the doctor. And when you go to the doctor, you get some tests done. You get some blood tests done, and then the doctor says, you know what, uh, you've got a clean, kind of clean bill of health. You know? You're all good, you're fine, everything's good. However, what I want to do, we just, I just want to do open-heart surgery uh, just, just to make sure that nothing's wrong. You know, how would you respond to that? The guys just said, you've got clean bill of health. You know what I mean? It's like, we just want to do open-heart surgery. I think most of us would say no. Most of us would be like, no way, you've just told me everything's good. Why are you going to, I don't want my chest opening up. However, if we went to the doctor and the doctor said to us, if he said, you know what, you've got 10 days to live, and the only way to survive is if we do open-heart surgery, then our response is probably going to be different. Our response is going to be something like, yes, we need to get it done when we come to this passage when it's understanding our need for the gift our need for the gift is understanding where we're at before God our need for open heart surgery for God to transfer transform our hearts and open our hearts Um, somebody gave a I think it was Savannah a while ago she gave this she was um, showing this analogy and it was this idea that if you let's say if you had zero to 100 on a scale zero to 100 right and um and let's say the top at 100 there, 100% is the perfection of love. That is God, that is Jesus, the perfection of love. Then where would you put yourself on that scale? Would you put yourself at 99%, would you put yourself at 90%, 50 I think I would put myself at about 20 or 30%. There's some renowned figures in history who have done amazing works and they mark themselves quite low on the scale. The point is this, that when we look at, if we, if we put ourselves on that scale, then we'll see that we have need that we have need of salvation, that we fall short of the glory of God, that we fall short of God's love. I don't think anybody here, I know I can't, I cannot say that I've loved my neighbor and loved my wife and loved my child perfectly. I cannot say that. And I can definitely say that I have not loved God perfectly and therefore I fall short of God's love and God's standard. And therefore I need the gift of salvation to be redeemed. I was watching um uh, a video the other day and it had it had a um, little boy there I think it was about five or six years old and this guy gave him the option he he put this table there table and he put $10,000 on one side and he said do you want $10,000 and then on the other side he put two Oreo cookies and the little boy's face lit up with the cookies these two little biscuits on one side he could have he could have bought and it, it lit up with the cookies and he's like which one do you want and he's just gleaming kind of gleaming for these guys wanting these cookies and the ten thousand dollars he doesn't care and yet he could have bought how many cookies with ten thousand dollars the point being is the same with us sometimes it's the crumbs that we're looking for it's the crumbs that we get we're looking for the things right in front of us there and yet we've got the richness of god's grace right there the gift of god in jesus christ which we can receive and yet we're we're after the oreo cookies instead um, a great parable of Jesus' is, is the pearl of great price. Um, many of you know it, um, where Jesus explains that this man goes to a field. He goes to a field. He finds this pearl. He finds this pearl of great price. Uh, anyways, he can't just take, he can't take the pearl. He's in the field, and you have to buy the field to get the pearl. And, um, and Jesus gives this analogy of this man. He goes to buy, but the price is so high. The price is so high, and so he goes away, he sells everything he has and buys this field. And that is a picture, it's a picture of what Jesus Christ gave for us in him giving of himself for us, the pearl of great price, and the idea of the pearl is you, it is me, it is us here. It is God loving the world that he gave his only son. It is God purchasing that pearl which is his people in the field, in the world. With presents, we can give the most wonderful present. We can give the most amazing present. We could listen to somebody's heart. We could listen to somebody. We can listen throughout the year and we can get them the most perfect and wonderful present possible. However, on this earth, that present will fade. If you ask me what I got for Christmas last year, I've got a shocking memory, I can't remember. If you ask me two years ago what I got, I can't remember. Uh, presents fade. Presents kind of rust, break. You know, if you get chocolates for Christmas, you'll eat them. If you get beer for Christmas, you'll drink it. It'll be gone. The thing about presents is that we can buy presents and we can give gifts for people and we can give it in love, but they disappear. The difference here is that the Son of God came into the world that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life, not something that fades, not something that rusts, not something that breaks, but eternal life. I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and, um, and we were talking about gifts, and everyone has opinion on gifts, and this person said to me, you know what, gifts aren't the most important thing. They said relationships are the most important thing. Relationships are the most important thing. And I agree. I think Christmas is a wonderful time to be able to connect with family, people we like and people we don't like, come together around the table and connect with one another, to listen to each other, to hear one another, to love one another. Relationships are often the pinnacle of what it means at Christmas time. However, when I think about Christmas myself, and I shared this the other day, when I think about Christmas, and for many of us, you can have this picture in the back of your minds, like a nostalgic picture. And for me, I picture myself back in the UK, and this family around, having Yorkshire puddings and beef, uh, not lamb, you don't have lamb with Yorkshire puddings, you have beef. And and (laughs) I was corrected last time I said that. So um, anyways, but I remember, I remember being with my family, and I remember the people around the table. I remember my grandma, I remember my granddad, my mum. my dad, my brother, family members. However, when I look now, when I remember back, those relationships, there's people that are no longer around the table. Grandma's not there anymore, granddad's not there anymore. Perhaps for some of us, mum, dad isn't there. Perhaps for some of us, children aren't there anymore. And perhaps for some of us, there's people who we've had a lot of conflict with friends in the past who are no longer there anymore. You see, the challenge with relationships is that sometimes they're strong and sometimes they're not. People die, people pass away. The image in our minds with the people that were there around the table are no longer there. However, when we look at this passage of scripture, what we see is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is an eternal friendship. It's an eternal relationship. It's an eternal connection to God that no matter what happens in our life, we're always connected to him. That no one, no one can take us out of the father's hand. We are connected to him. There's a wonderful word In Hebrew, and it's the word shuv, and it has this idea of turning around. It has this idea of returning home. And at Christmas time, for me, even thinking about Christmas, sitting around with family, it's this idea of returning home, returning to our connections, returning to family. The word shuv, though, often in Scripture means something like repentance. It means turning to God, going back home to God, returning returning to God, having connection with him. And as I was thinking about this and thinking about this passage, I thought about a wonderful parable, a wonderful story, which is in the scriptures and the the story of the prodigal son and the story of this son who rebelled against the father. We all know the story, or most of us know the story of the son who rebelled against the father and he asked for his inheritance from the father and the father graciously gives him the inheritance and then he goes off and he goes to a faraway land and he blows it all on prodigal living he blows it all on wasteful living on on clothes on drink on whatever it is and he just wastes it all and blows it all and then a famine occurs in the land a famine happens in this land and then this guy finds himself in complete and utter distress he has no inheritance no money there's a famine in the land and he ties himself to a farmer of that land and he ends up being with the pigs he ends up feeding the pigs and he's so hungry that he desires to eat the pigs food and all of a sudden, he has an idea in his mind, he has uh, an epiphany, if you like, that he remembers his father's house. He remembers the father's house. And that even his servants, even the people who worked for his father had enough to eat. Even the people, even, even the people who worked for his father had enough to eat. And so he has this idea in his mind. He says, I'm going to return. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to say, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. And he, and he goes on his way back. And on his way back, the father, I think, at that time, is waiting for his child. He's waiting for his son. Put yourself in the picture, whether it's son, whether it's daughter. He's waiting for his child to return. Shove. He's waiting for his child to come home. But he doesn't wait for the son. He doesn't wait for his child to come begging at the floor saying, please forgive me, please forgive me. He actually runs towards the son. He runs towards the son. He runs towards his child. He embraces the child. He puts a ring on his finger. He puts a robe, robe on him. He puts, puts shoes on his feet. And he says, this is, my, this, this is my son who was lost and is found. This is my son who was dead and alive again. He loved his son. He embraced the son. This picture is the gift of of God in Jesus Christ. This picture is the gift of God in Jesus Christ. It's the idea of shuv, it's the idea of returning home, that at Christmas, especially at Christmas and even every single day, God is calling us home. Whether we know Christ or whether we don't, he's calling us back to him to be connected with him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for the plan that you put in before the foundation of the world. Thank you that you had us in mind when your Son came into this world. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the sacrifice that you made, that our sins are taken upon you, and that we have redemption and salvation in your name. Praise and honor and glory to you. Amen.